With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody, and this is Dave Emmons, and uh, my new show is going to be Strange Reality with Dave Emmons, and this is an intro show, and I'm with the United Public Radio Network, FM, it's global, and it's a UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 in beautiful New Orleans, and Michelle DeRocha, she's my uh, producer, and a great lady, and uh, be working with this whole team before long because I have a couple of shows lined up uh, in May and July on the Outer Realm Contact Show. And you all know that. If you listen to this program, you'll know that program. And I'll be, uh, on, I'll be on that show as a guest. And I'm looking forward to that. But meanwhile, I will be having my own show uh, twice a week, one hour piece. I'll be getting into topics like UFOs, archaeology, history, ancient history, the history that we were never taught. I'll have different guests on. Uh, my first guest, I'll probably have Dr. Alani on. He's great. He's always been great uh, on my shows, and he'll be up with me on one of the shows next week, and I'll have a lot more coming up. I've been doing this now for several years, so I have a lot of guest uh, files, and I'll bring forward the ones that are very interesting and the ones who really come out with a lot of stuff. My background course, graduated from high school, above average IQ. I worked in the factories because I come from a family of 11 kids. We were poor. And so I had to work right away. And then I went in the army. I was in top secret security clearance work with nuclear weapons at Redstone Arsenal. I was only 19, almost turning 20 at the time. So I was a little bit too young to absorb all that, uh, I guess, top secret stuff and the one once a week meetings with the military intelligence. So I had to get the post commander to get me to the post chaplain to get out of the class. So when I got out of the class, they gave me a clerical uh, education. And then I volunteered for Vietnam because my brother got orders for Vietnam and he was, his wife was having a baby. And he was, we went in the army as buddy plan, but I was single, he was married and was going to have a baby. And I said, no, I'm going to Vietnam. So I sent the orders and stopped him. So I ended up being a, a combat platoon sergeant and it was fine. It was a great experience. I got out of the Army, played music for 45 years with six of my brothers. And I still can play music, but a lot of people don't want to hire me because I'm too old. Isn't that something? I guess. I don't know. But I'm not too old. I can, I can still play. I might even produce my own uh, promo song before long, uh, working with that. But other than that, I've been a small business owner, owned my own business. I was a supervisor in a refinery. I worked with American Red Cross Disaster Management. 
And I've done a little bit of everything, I guess you could say. I've been traveling a lot. Uh, and the biggest thing that, I, that got me into this show and other shows and all the shows that I've had since then are my experiences with UFOs and ETs. And I wrote this first book right here, They, What Do They Want? It's a story about my lifelong UFO and ET history. And that still goes on to this day. And we'll talk about that in, in later shows. And here's my second book, Senseless Wars. It's, it's about my combat experience. And I will talk about that a little bit. If we have a topic that comes up with current events, I'll even get involved in that. So I will be covering a lot of things. And here's my book that's going to be released soon. And this is, uh, this is not a hard copy. This is just the copy of the cover. And, and it's uh, about angels, and everybody likes that. We'll be talking a little bit about that also. And we're just going to preview a couple of the books, the UFO book and also the angel book on this show as we, as we progress and talk. But because I don't want to give it away for, uh, I guess, the show that's coming up before long in May and July, the Outer Realm Contact Show So uh, with Michelle. So I don't want to give away all the secrets of those books until I talk about that. But I will make some short statements and, and get into some of the topics of the books. And I just hope that you appreciate what's going on. What's going on now in our world, if you, if you really look at, at things, the way the world is going, it's tough enough out there. We need an escape, but not only an escape, but we need to know the truth. And what I talk about in my three books, and which are my bucket list books, I call them. I want to get them done. I got three of them done. I got a fourth one I'm working on right now. It's a sci-fi book. It has, it's a lot about an ET and a human relationship. And the human is turned into a hero, like all sci-fi books. I'm about halfway done with that. So I'm putting all three of those books that I wrote, the ideas from those, into this book. But I'm putting it into another character. So that tells you where I'm thinking and how I'm thinking with my books and, and what I'm interested in. I'm interested in a lot of things. Current events, I don't get into too much because right now you can be canceled for a lot of different current event items. If I have a show like that, I'm going to make sure that I'm able to talk freely on certain topics. I've, I've had some, uh, I guess, experience dealing with some of this canceled uh, thing about some of the things I've done. And I want to be careful not to not to do that. Uh, even on this network, I'll, I'll obey the rules and the, and, and the laws that that everybody has. But let's get into my interest and what really sparked me. I've, I've had all kinds of people on my show, scientists, PhDs, uh, experiencers, and I love to have experiencers, especially new ones, that have some really great stories. They don't really have to be great. If they're great to them, then they're great to me. I don't like the talking heads. I'm not, I don't want to be considered a talking head because most talking heads don't have direct experiences with ETs. They're not experiencers. What they do is they, they put together a collage of other stories of other people and what happens with them. And then they either do a documentary, they do a TV show, or they do a book. Well, I write my own books and I'm, I've had my own experiences. And to this day, I still have experiences. I have experiences with my TV turning off, changing channels constantly during the night when I listen to my sleepy time music, as my wife and I call it. And something changes the channels from 947 on cable spectrum, and it goes to channel 48, in which is a news show. 
And when I hear the talking in the morning, that wakes me up. I don't normally get up to about 8.30, but this comes on about 7, 7.30, and it just changes. I hear the voices and I say, oh, what's going on? And my wife turns to me, she said, they're doing it again. She said, you may as well be used to it. And I said, yeah, I am getting used to the electronic interference. So this is what's going on with me today. Even my trail camera that I've had in the office, they've been really hitting my trail camera. They'll, they'll build up to 700 frames or pictures or short videos that I have. They'll build it up to that many within just about four or five hours during the night. And they're one minute apart. So I know something is doing it, triggering it, you know, intelligently somehow. And I end up having to reformat the whole uh, memory stick. So that's aggravation. But not only that, but the batteries, they, they burn up. Double uh, A batteries are expensive. Everybody knows that. Well, these critters, they, they, they waste my batteries. So I just give up. I guess they want me to give up. Uh, so they do follow you along all through life. Well, my first experience, let's get to that. I was 13 years old. This was back in the early 60s. Uh, 62 was my first one. And I saw a ship that had a glowing blue light at the bottom of it. It looked kind of like a barge, like it was rectangular. And it was only about uh, 80 feet in the air, somewhere like that. And I have a picture of it in my book, uh, They, What Do They Want? And I sat there in the backyard. My brothers and sisters were already inside the house. And I was sitting outside looking up at the stars. For some reason, I always had an open mind about the universe and what's going on. Maybe my consciousness level was high even when I was a young kid. But, oh, I want to also mention, uh, I'm a journalist also, five years of, of college in journalism. That's what got me involved in radio, radio and TV a little bit uh, off and on, but I just wanted to throw that in there because I have a background in keeping notes and ledgers. I was going to tell you that I kept all my ledgers and my notes, and this, this is how I wrote my books. But getting back to that story in 1962, I looked up, it, it might have been one of those tic-tac things, but I saw it kind of like square at the bottom or rectangular. And I looked up and I was afraid. And I thought, what's going on? I just stared at it. And I remember that was all I remember until I ended up in my bed and my legs were numb. I couldn't move my legs. I was laying there next to my brother. We had to share beds because there's 11 of us in the, in the family. And I turned to my brother. I said, after I felt something was by me for, for momentarily, and then after it was gone, I felt safe to turn around to my brother. I said, have you seen or heard anything? He said, no, you know, shut up. I said, okay. So the next day I kind of forgot it. And I went on just kind of talking about it. But nobody listens to a kid. So the year later is when my best friend and I saw this one UFO uh, in the same neighborhood, actually. And we followed it up the street. I'm going to make this story short as a synopsis. So we followed it up the street got in this empty lot. And actually the flying saucer was about 35 feet wide, but maybe 22 feet in width. It had three layers, like a, like a fat top, toy top that you crank up and you, and you let go. Well, this thing had portal windows in the middle though, looked like little three donuts, uh, you know, smaller and larger, but they had portal windows. And I remember watching those and my buddy pinched me really hard. And I said, ow, that hurt. He said, well, we have to make sure we're not dreaming. And we were standing there looking at this thing. It was only about, I'd say, 70 feet in the air uh, because it was just going over the treetops, actually, when we followed it up the street. And we, it ended up in my backyard. That was a weird thing, too. It was in my backyard. We looked at this thing for a while, and we 
don't remember the time. We could have started about 10 or 10.30 at night. We were on summer break from school. We were drinking Pepsi and just listening to the radio when this thing occurred. So as we were watching this thing, we we don't know what happened at the time. Like I said, it, is, it escaped us in some way or another. And I was looking at the windows, the portals, and I was, I saw shadows, but I couldn't see any figures or anything that's moving around. And my buddy said he heard a buzzing sound. I didn't hear that. So that when you come to different witnesses, you'll pay attention to certain things. And that's why a lot of experiencers will actually take note of certain special things that interest them or scare them when they're watching closer. Another person may listen for sound. Another person is more visual. So you might have a, you know, but together it helps to piece it together with both of these as a witness. And I've had witnesses to nearly 50% of my experiences. So uh, it's not that I'm crazy all by myself. And that's what a lot of people want you to think that you are crazy when you have these events and you're not. They're real. I can tell you right now, even a man of my age, I've seen a lot, done a lot. There's, there's not hardly anything I haven't done. But the thing that is, the ETs exist. There's life out there. Don't let anybody tell you different. And if you have a story to come come forward and talk about it, just like I'm doing here. So after we watched this thing for a while, then all of a sudden we kind of woke up and I look, we were standing in the same place. And then I looked to the west and the, the ship was in about the southwest. And I looked to the west, due west, and this sh ship just shot out real fast. My buddy didn't see that. And I saw that. Apparently, he didn't come to enough. We were both kind of dumbed down. And that, that term goes throughout my whole book because being dumbed down is what they do to you when they kind of knock you out or make you feel like you're in la-la land and all you can do is look and observe. You don't do anything. They tell you it's okay. You know, tell, telepathically, they say everything's okay. Don't, don't grab a ball bat. Don't grab a weapon. Don't even grab a camera. Uh, you know, we're in control. All you can do is observe. And that's what happens in most of the stories that I've had, not stories, actual events or experiences. Well, we said, okay, we're going to run home after we watched it for a while and we saw this thing. I saw this thing take off to the west. And then we looked at each other and said, oh, we're going to go tell, tell our parents. Lo and behold, we didn't know what time it was. It must have been late because my buddy got home. His dad was in bed sleeping. And he told his dad, he said, dad, I saw, saw you at home. And he said, sure, son, you saw you at home. I go to bed. And I went home. The door was locked. My mom come to the door and she was really mad. And she said, where have you been? You know how late it is? And I didn't know how late it was because we didn't have a watch. We were, you know, we were poor young kids in the early 60s. And that, that wasn't the thing that we normally was equipped with was a watch or even a camera. So she said, I told her, I said, okay, I saw a UFO mom, uh, Rawhide, that was his nickname. We saw a UFO together. And she said, I'll UFO your butt and I'll get in the house. It's late. I, so I went in the house and I, I couldn't sleep. I was really nervous about what happened. I was rolling and tumbling. And the next day uh, I got up and I told my family about it and they didn't believe me and they laughed at me. And of course, uh, my friends that I talked about and played with, they, they said the same thing, you're crazy. So I kind of shut up after that. And that's what they want you to do now is, is kind of just shut up. Sometimes they want you to talk about your experiences because there's a there's a double standard here. They want you to talk about your experiences, but then they turn around. And if you talk 
the real stuff. If you talk about involvement of other groups or military or something, and I've never had a military or other group that I knowingly in in my experiences that I've seen, but I've heard of other people say they've had they've involved you know military and, and other people agencies, and they had the people knocking on their doors. Well, apparently that hasn't happened to me because everything that I've seen and went through were all ETs. Of course, I was followed by the NSA uh, for meeting this humanoid ET in Sedona in 2010. But as the years went on, I got out of the army, uh, went uh, went to work, went to school part-time, and then also I played music. So I was very busy. And musicians usually drink and party, and I did that. I didn't do drugs. To be honest with you, I did not do drugs. I didn't like marijuana. Uh, it, it made me feel weird, so I didn't do that. But I worked a lot, did a lot in the 70s and 80s, and like playing music, and that was one of my big enjoyments. You'll see a guitar here to my, uh, it's to my uh, right, I guess. And also uh, the wall, the the, the the flag and the medals and everything, that's that's all patriotic. And uh, today, patriotism is almost, almost gone. Just almost like religion is almost gone, but that's a sad story. But we have things that we need to think about, I guess, but we have to take a look at everything. It's just, with the ET subject, there could be involvement with ETs on this planet. And I've talked to a lot of scientists, a lot of very smart scientists about that, about ET involvement on this planet. But I, going back to the story in 63, about two weeks later, I dug out a, a small, it looked like an Advil tablet, a little M&M out of my, my scrotum. And there's a line cut, a red line, it's a laser line now, I, I, I remember it. It, it. So I pushed that that little round thing out. I got it in my hand. There wasn't any blood. It was easy to get out because there was already a, a cut made for it. And as I had it out, it was ash light in color. And then as I had it out in the oxygen, it started turning darker brown. Uh, it was one of those biological implants. And I showed it to my mom. I said, Mom, I got this. She said, throw that away, that's probably an ingrown hair or something. I said, no, it's not. I said, look at it, it's, it's round, disc-shaped. And I said, I took it out through a cut. She said, a cut? I said, yeah, there was a slice, a, a red line that I took it out of and it didn't bleed. She looked worried then, she was concerned. And she goes, kind of looking at me, I, I could read her mind like saying, what's going on here? And she says, throw it away anyway. So I threw it away and I walked outside. She said, don't, don't talk about it, just go. So I went outside and, and played there with my friends, but I wish I could have kept that, but there are three different types of implants. That was only one. I had another one in my leg. That was in 2011. That was another carbon-based implant. Uh, I know Daryl Sims talks about the implants quite a bit there, uh, and what they're meant for. There's two of them that are carbon-based and uh, the one that was in my left leg and the one that was in my uh, scrotum, they were carbon-based. And what they do is they melt into your system. They're actually hook up to your DNA. And they, they hook up to your nervous system too because the one that was in my leg, I got pictures of and I put it under a microscope. It actually looked like brain neurons, like little octopi. They were swimming around the edges of it. And I showed it to a supervisor. She's a biological supervisor, and she was my friend in research. 
friend back in the, in the late uh, 2008, nine, somewhere in there. And we, we worked together for about four or five years. And in 2011, I showed that to her. And she said, I've never seen anything like that. So they are biological implants. And there's, there's metal implants, little electronic-like implants. Those are frequencies. Those frequencies, there's a purpose to these implants. One of them is to track you, but they don't need those implants to track you. So that's not their main purpose. They can track you by your own frequencies. Each person has their own frequency. And apparently they zeroed in on my frequency and been following me for years and still are at it today. But it, they stay with you for life a lot of times when they, when they start tracking you. Uh, after especially put these biological implants in you, they, they try to find out how it's working on you. Uh, but the metal ones put out a frequency and that frequency actually goes through the nerves and it actually changes your DNA through the frequencies. So your body can be changed either biologically or frequency wise. And they use frequencies quite a bit to read your consciousness. And that's when they do these abductions or whatever. There's three types of abductions. I can get into those. The first one is a bedside abduction. It's mostly mostly for men usually, but they do this to women too. But for men, what they do is they come by the bedside. And I woke up and I saw a little gray guy in 1995 beside my bed. He was ugly looking. He was about three and a half feet tall. I thought he was my adopted daughter coming into our room uh, to get some aspirins because she had headaches a lot. And I called out her name and I thought it was her. And, and this shadow moved around to my side of the bed. My my wife, ex-wife, you know, she, she liked it dark in that room because that's the only way she could sleep to get up early for work. So I asked, I asked her, I said, I, asked, I mentioned her name several times. I don't want to say her name, but I mentioned her name several times and she didn't answer. And then this, this figure come up beside me. I looked at it. It had big eyeballs, sort of like this. It had a, a white pupils and everything. And the iris, I couldn't tell what color it was. It was dark, uh, more than likely. It had its lenses on. The dark lenses that they usually have on their eyes, I think those are something that I guess flips down from maybe their membranes in their heads or or they actually put them on uh, when they're in a, in a lighted place. They don't like too much light. So this thing looked at me and I sat there or laid there with my, my, I, my chin in my hand. And I looked at this thing and I said, oh my God. And fear went through me for about six, seven seconds. And then I was out. I woke up about an hour and a half later. I don't remember the exact time. It was about that, I estimate. And I asked the wife, did you see or hear anything? She goes, no. Normally, they will dumb down the person that you're with. They're targeting you. So what they do is they dumb down the other person, put them to sleep or, or make them you know, do whatever. But apparently, this thing might have put an implant in me and might have taken semen samples and DNA samples and read my frequencies on my consciousness. Uh, they'll, they'll make a reading of that, and they, that's how they track you through frequencies and everything. So, like I said, that's what the implants are for, the, the metal ones especially, but also the other ones will, will develop DNA frequencies in which will change for them to be able to pick up better. They say 80% of our DNA uh, can't be figured out. So we could have other bodies, and, and this past life regression thing is more real to me the more I learn 
about what's going on because I think we're recycled and recycled. And for those who don't believe in reincarnation, I, I kind of believe in reincarnation because of everything I've been through and a lot of people I've talked to. I even heard from some strange people that ETs believe in reincarnation. And I thought to myself, wow, that must be true. But that's the implants. That's what they do. They're not just for tracking. They can track you anywhere, anyhow, whatever. But they want to. They want to read your DNA. They're they're interested in our bodies. And here's another thing too. A lot of people say, why are they interested in certain people? They're interested in certain people because of the consciousness level. Number one, they want to make sure you have an open door that they can come through. And that makes me feel bad. Like like I I ask for this maybe subconsciously. A lot of people that have a consciousness level that's high, that's open to a lot of these things, and a lot of people don't have it. They, you know, they're boxed in, and that's their beliefs, and that's fine. That's fine with me. Uh, I don't mind people saying they don't believe in ETs or UFOs as long as they don't call me crazy, and that's that's fine with me. They have their right to believe, and I even fought for the right for people to believe in what they want to believe in and practice their religion, what they want to do. But getting back to what they do in the second abduction type is that they take you on their ship. They catch you outside or in your car, and that's where they take you because they can't work on you very well out around public areas. So they'll take you uh, up in their spacecraft for a while. And then they might take you to another dimension because they travel dimensions. They can take you to another dimension. And in that dimension, time may not even exist. So you could be gone for an hour, two hours, but actually you may just feel that you've only been gone 15, 20 minutes. So they, they can manipulate the time and that's scary. They can get into your thoughts and your consciousness and actually upload, download things in your mind. And that's what happens quite a bit too when they when they do their bedside things that they, they upload and download. But Women, mostly, I hear that they have some horrific events. Most men don't normally have that because I think in the process of their, their abduction, they, what they do is they get the eggs from a woman. And that's more of an extensive type of deal uh, or, you know, a, a surgery type. It's, it's done with needles and they go in and they, they pick up eggs and some women can feel that pain or remember that pain. And that's the sad part that that happens. Uh, why they mess with us? I think they've been given authority back in the 50s to mess with us. There's four races that our government knows that are doing the abductions and they've been given a green light to do that. I think the other thing that they're doing too is that they're taking our biological information because there's other humans in this galaxy on other planets. There's other humans in other universes, other dimensions. And we're, we're just one human race, and there's, there's many more. And, and that's my thoughts, that why they mutilate cattle, and they take certain parts. Most of those parts are strong in their DNA, reproductive organs, uh, the tongue, the lips. So they're taking that DNA, they're replicating it on their planet or another galaxy, and they're giving that protein to the humans that need the food. So when they take these cattle, they're doing that. They're, they're replicating cows. They're actually growing cows in other galaxies. People might think I'm crazy, but I think that's the reason why 
these cattle mutilations happen in order to get DNA. Uh, just like I think in Noah's Ark, they, you know, Noah took all the DNA from every critter on Earth, and he couldn't get everything on that boat, so he took DNA samples. And what they do is they can replicate that DNA in the lab in their labs. Uh, so that happens, I think, quite a bit. They're monitoring us. They're seeing how much nuclear, I guess, uh, energy toxins are in us. Uh, they're, they're monitoring our toxins in our bodies. They're interested in our bodies because our bodies are in other galaxies and, and other universes also, and that's why they do that. Uh, they want to find out how to reproduce us, and, and they know how to reproduce us. They just, they just do it, but they're, they're monitoring our bodies and, and the, our food supplies, like our protein supplies, like animals, like cattle, and, and that type of thing. But getting into the third type of abduction, this has happened to me six years in a row. It, it didn't happen this year. Last year, I felt like I was floating out of my bed, but six years in a row since 2016, every August, between August 11th and August 14th, and it's warm, hot during that time, I was in my bedroom sleeping, and it was around three o'clock or four o'clock. I, I woke up, I didn't see the time because I was kind of out of my head. My body was laying with my hands across my stomach like I was lying in a casket. And I was freezing. I was shaking all over. The whole bed was shaking. I was. I felt my hands, and they were very ice cold. And I thought I was dead. And I thought, okay. I didn't even look around to my wife, but she didn't wake up. The bed was violently shaking with, with me shaking, and I'm a good big a big guy. So my wife would wake up even if the cell phone falls off the nightstand and hits the carpet. She would wake up, but this time she didn't. I got up and I had to go to the bathroom. When you get really, really ice cold, you have to go take a leak. So I did that. I was shaking all over the toilet. And I, I mean, I sat down, of course. I, I, you know, I, I knew that that wouldn't, didn't help to stand up. But I went back to bed, covered myself up, and I was shaking. And then I just passed out. I was so exhausted. What I call this is that they abduct your energy. Because when they took my energy, my body got cold. And then you were weak, of course, and you were out. And they take your soul, your consciousness, basically your essence, and they take that on a little field trip into another dimension. And that's where they usually work on you, tweak you, uh, might even change your frequencies for DNA changing. And then they bring you back. Your body is ice cold, so it's preserved. And once your energy and your consciousness and your soul returns back to your body, then you come back to life again and you, you're normal or you will be normal in a few hours. I wasn't, I didn't wake up for about three or four hours later that I know of. And then I, I finally said, well, what's happened then? What, what, what's going on? And so that didn't bother me. I thought maybe I was just cold and I, something happened and my blood pressure dropped or whatever. But it happened every year after that between August 11th and August 14th. It happened one time in January because I missed a date, I guess. And this the same scenario, frozen like I was dead. My arms and hands and legs were just freezing. I talked to the doctor, several doctors within those 
ensuing years between 2016 and 2022, actually. And what I what I told them was exactly what I just told you, how how I was frozen. And my doctor, who she she's a great doctor, one of the best around. I I think I've had a lot of doctors, and she's one of the best I've ever had. She asked me questions, and I told her, and then she she said it happens all the time, every year, once a year. And I said yes. And she looks at her. I guess she had an intern with her. She looked at her, and she goes, "I've never heard of that. Have you?" And the she said no, and the and she said, "Well, David, your your test and everything turned out. You don't have sugar diabetes. You don't have anything that would cause that. So I don't know what to tell you. Especially, she said six years in a row with the same day. So she was open-minded. She was thinking, but she didn't talk it. Most doctors will not talk it. I've had some doctors interested in UFOs, but I just so happened to give her a copy of my book a couple of months ago when I saw her." And uh, and she looked at the book. She looked at me, and she thought, "Well, maybe this might explain why you're so weird." So I, she didn't say that, but I was just thinking that, that that's what she was thinking. But now, I, those are the three ways of abduction that I saw, and then what the implants are actually for. And, and Daryl Sims says that they're not for tracking, and I agree with him on that. I, I agree that the, he never talked about the other biological concerns, the DNA change and the frequency changes, but. That's what I found out through my research. And, and to think that angels, ghosts, and this is my second, my third book, actually, Angels and Ghosts. I won't talk, I won't talk about the senseless wars, but that'll come in later when I talk about angels, because I believe I was saved in combat several times by angels. But that's the snippet of the UFO book. Now I want to talk about angels a little bit, and everybody's interested in that. The book will be out in about a week. And the page I just showed you in the intro was was a copied uh, cover page. I mean, the cover page of the book, but I don't have a real solid copy. It'll be in about a week. But I get into Angels 101. And the first part of the book, I go through all the angels, the Archangels 7, and the regular angels. Uh, and the guides that are our own personal angels. I get into who they are, where it started. Uh, some scientists are saying, okay, our human race started about 350 million years ago. And it was started by other ETs traveling through our galaxies. And there was other human races. Matter of fact, the human race that made us, they were bigger than us, taller than us, but they actually made us through laboratory DNA coupling and you know putting things together and they actually made us for certain purposes for for being work I guess not animals but work humans and and we did the, the hard work for them. Uh, then it was said the reptilians were involved early on in a stage and there was uh, usually fights between the Pleiadians, the, the tall whites and Nordics, and the reptilians, and that, they say that still goes on today. And where the Nordics and the tall whites have actually gained strength and were able to fight back. But we still have them here underground. Uh, I mean, I'm going to be talking about a lot of things a lot of people are thinking, okay, Dave, you're going off in the deep end. But no, not really. This, this is something that's almost proven throughout history. But let's go back in history again. Some people, some scientists say that maybe 300,000 years ago, humans, you know, started developing on this planet 
and then we we kind of progressed from there from from being uh, you know Neanderthal all the way to modern Homo sapiens. But there's questions involved in that too. Archaeologists and scientists are finding out that our DNA didn't move like that. It didn't progress or evolve from one species to another. Uh, so it, it was kind of like, okay, we got to give this some thought. And they're finding articles that are millions of years old that were made by humans. And the archaeologists are open, like, opening a lot of doors and they're saying that the history is not what you think it is. And even today, our history is not what we think it is. And people who are telling us things are actually lies. You know, you see, you know, the, the news, the disinformation, the misinformation from both sides, actually. Uh, our leaders, our elites, they've kept secrets from us for thousands of years, and they still do. I was told there's a theory back, I guess, way in the Egyptian and Atlantean times there, where the ETs were actually the gods, little g. I would never put ETs as the big G god. There's only one god. and But they call them little gods. They didn't like dealing with the humans on a day-to-day -day basis. So what they did, they trained people and they called them high priests. The high priests would have the contacts with us. And this happened thousands of years ago. They would be the ones that would represent the little G gods of the ETs. Could have been reptilians and Anunnaki, uh, but the Nordics and the Tall Whites were usually, they helped us. They helped us, they actually made us in a way. Uh, the reptilians are gonna say in a false flag operation, we hear all this, the conspiracy. I don't like getting into conspiracy theories. I, I hear so much that's going on TV, so much rattle and talk we need to do something, yes, we do, but we need peace, we need love, and we need consciousness altogether. And I think that's what the ETs are looking for, for us to start being civilized. As we went through history, all we, all we went through was wars and, and pain, suffering, and not much love. But they said we started off some millions of years ago in a heavenly-like world. We were euphoric and we were actually happy. We didn't have wars, killings. And this is what I guess the ancients call heaven. That heaven was something we started off and all some, something changed. Either our DNA changed by some evil ET or something, we, and we usually say the reptilians do that. Those who, who believe in the different ETs, then uh, you know what I'm talking about. They're the underground critters, and we also have humanoids that are also bad people that are working against us. And in a way, right now, we're going into these domes, where they're called domes, because they're caverns, tunnels, in which a lot of these secret beings and the humanoid corrupt people are hiding. The military is actually being trained for underground fighting. We're getting little whispers of this and that, but going back through history, this has been going on for thousands of years. Even Noah, back in the day, and the Garden of Eden was, was 560 years before Noah and the flood. And I don't know how they got those numbers, but that's what that's, that's in my book and I talk about that. Noah was 960 years old. But also they say in the book of Enoch, 
And if you read the book of Enoch, I, I, there's a little bit of study in this book that I wrote. It's about Enoch, the three books. And Enoch actually says that Noah was tall. He was light complected. He had blue eyes. He had light hair, blonde hair. And he wasn't very famous at the time. The only thing that made Noah famous was the ark and the great flood. And that's when God called upon him. Uh, we don't know if it was God directly, or was it angels called upon Noah since he might have been an ET? And then you have Methuselah, his great grandfather, in which he ended up being a thousand years old. And Enoch, in which also lived to be a thousand, but he was taken off the planet. He was gone, Enoch. And when Noah took the boat, I don't, in my opinion, I'm not so sure it was a boat. Uh, I, I think it was a craft that was made to take two of everything. And I think that was DNA. I mean, some people might argue with me. Believe me, I believe in God. I believe, you know, I got, I got crosses and everything. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I don't, I don't believe in the history the way it, it went. Uh, just because you don't believe in how the script was written for our lives doesn't mean that you, that you don't believe the beginning or the ending of what's going on or what might happen. But actually, it's mysterious. The more I get into this, the more scientists I talk to, they're, they're saying that our history was, was all wrong, kept away from us. And even to this day, there's secret organizations that are hiding information from us. And I've actually learned about some of those organizations. I don't want to talk about them. But they do keep these secrets away. And right now, we're going through a big change. If people have ever noticed it, we are going through a big change. This historical pattern is going to change again. We've had at least uh, 16 different apocalypse endings of our human race here on Earth over the 300-something million years in which different ET races have come and visited and, and, and DNA manipulated us. But actually with all this history, you take a look at it, we're coming to that point now. They always call it the end times. The end times are coming, the end times. That's been a, a fallacy, never happens. It, it sounds like a bunch of politicians talking and nothing, you know, it's a lot of talk, but nothing happens. They, they talk about changing the rules and the policies to make our lives better, but it never happens. Same thing with history. Now they're saying, you know, World War II was started, and it was a, uh, it was a plan. It was uh, planned by Roosevelt to get us involved in World War II to save Europe uh, because he had to get the people interested. So there's a lot of different things like that. Tesla, uh, Henry Ford, Edison, uh, Warner von Braun, all these people were special people picked out. And they asked them, how did they get the knowledge? We're, we're staying with history. Now, this, this is updated history where we kind of remember it because of our, our literature and our books and what we're hearing. But they always point up. They say we learn it from them. And you wonder what they mean by that. But I'll tell you a story about uh, Yuri Geller, a uh, real quick story there about him. I want to try to get him on my show, and I've talked to him before, had him on the show. He's that famous spoon vendor. He's a, he's a mystic. He's also worked with the CIA, and he actually he actually helped develop remote viewing with the CIA. So he's very knowledgeable. I'm going to try to have him on this show uh, on Strange Reality. 
I'm going to try to get him on the show. And he tells me a story in which I'll never forget. He said that Warner Von Braun was interested in Uri Geller's talents, bending spoons and magic. So he called him to New Mexico. Him and his brother, his brother was handling his business affairs. Him and his brother went to the office of uh, Warner Von Braun and he asked, Yuri started off by asking the question, says, how do you have the conscience to go through this war and kill so many thousands of people? And Von Braun looked at Yuri and he says, well, I just sent them to where they should be earlier. And he said, they're in a better place. So what does that mean? I guess he means that he knows that there's a better place in which we go. And we do, that in our spiritual uh, bodies or spiritual essence goes somewhere else to another dimension like like they call heaven but Uri stood there and he said okay let me ask you a question he says see this coin he said I want you to bend this coin right in front of me so he gives him the coin and he has it in the hand for about 30 seconds and then he opens it up and gives it to Ron Braun and he says wow you are real the coin was bent and he didn't see him move his hands or anything so he says, okay, I'm going, to I'm going to show you something else. And then if you guess this right, he said, I'll show you something after that. So he pulls out this little piece of metal out of a safe that he had near his, his desk. He gives it to Uri. Uri looked at it, and he kind of played with it. He looked at it, and he looked, gives it back to Von Brown. He said, what do you think? He said, it's not from here. Uh, he said, it's not from here, Von Brown. He said, it's from another planet. He said, you're correct. He said it was off a UFO flying saucer, what they called it lot back in those days. He said, I'm going to show you something else. And he said, your brother will have to stay here. So he got in the Jeep and he had a Marine escort. They went to this bunker that had Marines standing there at the doors. And they let him in. And he said, you're going to have to put on these cold coats. They're for cold Arctic weather. And Yuri asked him, said, why? He said, you'll find out. So I, they put on their coats and they walked through a couple of rooms and they walked, went to this one room in which was had a large door on it. They opened it and it was cold. And when he looked inside, Yuri says, I can't tell you what I see. He said, that's NDA stuff, I can't say. He said, but read my mind. And what else would be in that room except for biological entities or ETs in which they captured and they put them in this room and froze them. So, you know, that's, that story sticks with me. It, it tells me that Von Braun, he's instrumental in the space program and he got us to the moon. And also we have Elon Musk, the strange character. But talking back into the angel thing, Von Braun even knew that we, was going, we were going somewhere else. And we are. For people who, who are losing hope, the angel book that I wrote will give me some hope and let you know that even at, with all the Bible verses, in which I can't remember all of them, I wouldn't want to quote them because I don't want to misquote Bible verses. But even there, you'll, you'll find the stories about Jesus and ghosts. Jesus, when he went, when he come back and he visited his disciples after his resurrection, they looked at him, they was very, very afraid of him. And they looked at him and he says, you think you, you all see, saw a ghost. He didn't say you all, that southern language wasn't back then, but he said, you all seen, seen a ghost. 
And they said, no. And he says, touch me, you know, touch my hand, doubting Thomas. And doubting Thomas touched his hand. He found out it was real. So a little bit later in the Bible, it, it explains that Jesus kind of misquoted in that, in that scripture because Jesus didn't believe in ghosts. And there is no such thing as ghosts. It mentions that the spirit sticks around the biological body for about three days to make sure that the body is dead. But today, when somebody dies, we have electronics that can prove brain activity. And also, when you die, you're involved if you're not cremated. So if, if you weren't dead, then you're going to be dead after the embalming. So the spirits now pretty much know that it's time for them to leave for that other dimension in which the ancients called heaven. Uh, there is no hell from all indications. Since we're reincarnated, if we do bad things, it's our choice. We have freedom of choice, if you remember from the Bible and everything else. And in this angel book, I, I talk about that. That you go to another dimension. You go to a holding area for a little while and you choose. We actually chose this life. I actually chose this life coming to a poor family with a lot of brothers and sisters. And my mom told me I was born with gray sideburns, and which told me that, and she thought, okay, that means you're special. And I thought, I'm not special. All the kids make fun of me, call me a little chubby kid. I always got in trouble with that. But that tells me that maybe I was an old soul. And inside of me, we can carry probably a couple of souls with our bodies. And that's what all the extra DNA is for, is to hold these other spiritual energies in us that, that might attract the ETs. And maybe that's why they're attracted to certain people because there are certain spiritual entities combined with our own spiritual entity that, that's guiding our body. We are in control of our bodies. And we have to take care of our bodies in order to keep this vessel and that's all we own. Uh, we're a skin jacket for a, for a soul and a spirit. And the ETs can't touch that. They stay away from messing with our souls and our spirits because that's, that's a universe, our universal galactic, uh, our higher supreme being in which is God. He's in the center of all these 11 universes they found so forth. And he's a brilliant, bright light. And when the Big Bang occurred, light, when it slows down, turns into matter. And I've been studying that. And with God having this Big Bang and created all this matter with that Big Bang, with the light slowing down and the frequencies of the light, the faster the frequencies, the brighter the light, it's, it, it's in a frequency form. It's not in the matter form. It turns everything to matter when it slows down. So in my book, I get into Bigfoot, I get into cryptids, and I get into fairies, all these, all these little supernatural critters that we talk about. And even in the Bible, they talk about the Nephilim, the giants. Uh, and you know they talk about uh, whales, uh, monster whales, and uh, the behemoth, and all these other things that they talk about. Uh, so, there's been monster stories in the Bible ever since we started. So it's just a carry on right now that we see Bigfoot and other cryptids around us. They're dimensional, a lot of them are dimensional. 
And I make a comment in the book, and I've actually asked a lot of researchers the same question. I asked them, I said, what's the difference between a ghost, a poltergeist, an ET, and a dimensional entity? And they think for a little while, and they think there's no difference. They're all extraterrestrial. Even angels come through several dimensions to get to us. They come to us when in time of need, and those are our guides. Uh, my sister had heart surgery, and this is about a year ago, less than a year ago. And she was just before her triple her bypass that morning, about three o'clock in the morning, bewitching on. There was a woman who come in and, and stood by her bed, and she wasn't a nurse. She she did not dress like a nurse. She had street clothes on, and she was short, five foot five, had a chopped, I guess, buzz cut hair style. And she asked my sister, are you all right? And she goes, yes, I'm all right. And she said, you're going to be fine in the morning. You will make it just fine. And then she turns and, and goes, and my sister said the door did not open either time because light usually spilled into the hallway from the nurse's station. There would be a lot of light that would spill in the room when those doors were open. But she said neither time when she'd come in or left. And then the nurses said there shouldn't have been anybody in there. So she had an angel come to her, and they say they will come to you at your time of need. And in 72, when, after I got out of the military, I had a couple of nightmares about, about my combat, and I'm glad that those nightmares are gone. Uh, but I had an angel come and visit me in a white robe, was at the end of my bed, and it stood there. And it just, I woke up. And guess what? It was three o'clock or four o'clock in the morning. And this, it looked like it was about five foot seven. It had a veil over its face. It's, it seemed like a, a woman or a lady. I called her lady in white, standing there looking at me. And I was living with my mom and dad at the time when I come back from the military because I was looking for an apartment. And it walks away slowly and it goes into my mom's room. So I get up and I followed it. I asked my mom, I said, did you see or hear anything? She goes, no, I didn't. I said, there's a lady in white that walked in your room that was standing there looking at me. And that's in my book. And this is for, these are real stories that are in my book. I have other real stories that are in there. Uh, but I saw this lady in white again in 1998. I was going through a divorce and I guess I felt kind of low and I thought, okay, it's, uh, you know, I'm just going to take it easy and try to get rid of all this, this big change I got. But 1995, the same thing happened. I had a lady in white standing at the end of my bed looking at me in the wee hours in the morning, three to four, somewhere in there, same thing, just standing there looking at me. I said, oh, my God, there she is again. I got up and looked at her, and then she walks away, walks into my master bathroom. I followed her, and she was gone, disappeared. So that was an angel visit. So that's what I'm going to be talking about when I come back on the show, but I'll be relating with other people on, on guests uh, of all different types of uh, guests I'll have uh, into the UFO ET subject. Uh, this is the Dave Emmons, and this is a strange reality show with Dave Emmons, the debut. This is something just to let you know who I am and what, and what my background is. And you're listening to United Public Radio Network, FM Global, and it's out of the beautiful New Orleans and UFO Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3, 107.7. And I will be on the, the Outer Realm with Michelle May 10th and July 13th. And my show will start next week. Hope to see you there. And 
Thanks for listening, and hopefully you'll enjoy a lot of the topics I'll be bringing in. Thank you.